Did you happen to think about that phrase? That our God is a father to the fatherless and a defender or protector to the widows. Our God is the one who goes on behalf of those who do not have protection. Those who may be taken advantage of in society. And what's interesting is, here's a passage that should be emulated by men today. Where we look and we see those that are in our society, they're being squashed. They're not protected. And that's what you have, right? With the fatherless, the orphans, with the widows. Unless they have family to care for them, they're not able to care for themselves often. And that's what we see in society. And I say that as a segue because if we look at our society in this country today, it is extremely different than just a generation ago, let alone two and three generations ago. Today, a great percentage of families don't have a man, a father, being represented in the household as the house leader. Many of our children are growing up with what we call the fatherless epidemic. This infographic that I'm showing you that I've split into a number of screens is taking statistics from the U.S. Census Bureau, from uh, CDC, if I'm not mistaken, um, the, from, the, I forget, the health department, from government sources. And these numbers are staggering. When I show you the numbers that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of minutes, it's the correlation I want you to see. These statistics are not necessarily the cause, but it's a high correlation. And when you see the high correlation, there's going to be a message in it for us that we see in Scripture. And hopefully one that we can see that when we look to this day that our country is honoring fathers, well, we want to honor true fathers. And when I talk about true fathers, I'm not limiting it to only biological fathers or fathers who adopt children. I'm talking about men who fulfill and emulate what we see in this passage in in Psalm chapter 68, verse 5. So I want to look at some of these statistics. There are 20 million children as of 2012 that are without fathers. Back in the mid-70s, my parents divorced. And I lived without a father. And I want you to know it was extremely difficult. I don't know how many of you have grown up without a dad. My dad lived about 12 miles away and I saw him maybe at the most once a week. And when I was in high school, I remember my wrestling coach becoming my pseudo father, if you will. I looked to him for advice. But for those years between Age seven or eight, I don't know exactly when it was when my parents divorced, till the time I was about 14 years old, I really didn't have a father figure in my life. It was very difficult. 20 million children are living in fatherless homes today. The correlation is that you are four times more likely to be raised in poverty 
if there is no father in the house. The correlation is that 90% of all homeless children and runaway children, 90% are from fatherless homes. It's staggering of everyone who runs away. You are 10 times more likely, according to statistics, to have some kind of a substance or chemical abuse if there's no father in the home. That's the correlation. 71% of all adolescents are substance abusers who come from fatherless homes. Are these numbers ringing with you? We're talking many millions. 80% of adolescents in, are, are in, that are in psychiatric hospitals, 80% of them that are in these hospitals come from fatherless homes. That's staggering. And they're twice as likely to commit suicide. So you're talking about from a physical standpoint, an emotional standpoint, a mental standpoint, all these statistics are showing a high correlation between families with fathers in them, and we're not even talking about good fathers yet, but just fathers that are in the home versus not having a father in the home. From an educational standpoint, children are nine times more likely to drop out of school. Nine times more likely in fatherless homes. Just an amazing statistic. And as far as crime is concerned, 70% of adolescents that are in the juvenile correctional uh, facilities come from fatherless homes. 70%. Children are 11 times more likely to have violent behavior. I'm going to stop for just a second. Because two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I was at that camp where the parents or guardians are incarcerated. I had, I think it was nine or ten children in my cabin. Three of them, if you just said anything to them, another child would say something they didn't like, would literally go from zero to about 200 degrees like that. They would not get upset and have angry words with you. They would fly off the top with just boiling anger. Carly's looking at me. She knows. <laughs> she was there. Clay, you remember from last year. It's just an amazing thing to witness. Violent behavior. When I asked the kids, and I, told, I said this to some of you here. I'm not sure if I said it publicly to everyone last week or the week before. When one of the kids, I asked about their guilt over some of their behavior. And one of them said, yeah, I put someone in a coma for 30 days. He's 14 years old. Violent behavior. Most of these guys do not have their dads at home. Most of them don't. You are 20 times more likely to be incarcerated. That's the correlation if there's no father in the home. So when you look at all these statistics, here's the obvious statement. Children need a father. That's obvious. We don't need these statistics to tell us these things. But from a standpoint of the world and the direction that the world is going and what we see is we don't need men in our lives. That's the feminist movement. We don't need men. We can do this on our own. And there's a lot of men in, these, in this movement. And there's a lot of men that don't step up to the plate and live as 
men, if you will, let alone being men of God. But there's something more than simply being a father. And I'm going to use the term right now, biological father, just simply to have children. Anybody can do that. You don't have to be mature. You don't have to be responsible to have children and be called father. And so we're talking about something that is much more needed. And that's where that Psalm 68 verse 5 comes in where we get to see true manhood in this passage. And I'm wanting us to see some of the points within the text that help us when we read passages that are familiar to us. And we're only going to look at three of them. And I want you to see what it's like when we went back to those statistics about education and about crime and about behavior and about social and emotional well-being of each person. And you'll see the correlation with these passages that we're looking at, these three texts that we're looking at. First one, children. You know this text, right? Children, your Bible class teachers have you memorizing Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Maybe your parents have taught you to memorize Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that you may live well and prosper. And when we read those first three verses, what we have is a very important teaching about, about training them up. I don't know why I put verse 1. It's supposed to be verse 4 up here. <laughs> but the verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but train them up in the teaching and admonition of the Lord. And here's a very important concept about true fatherhood, if you will, in that you take responsibility for the welfare of your children. Not simply that I'm going to just put food on the table, but I'm going to train them up in the way they should go. And here's the way they should go. Look at this. We are teaching our children to believe in Jesus as the Christ. The world doesn't like that. It's become plainly obvious now in our media. The world doesn't like us teaching our children these things. We need to teach our children how to love others. In our auditorium class, we just got done with our study in 1 John. And all throughout the letter, redundantly throughout the letter, is the concept of loving one another. John's not making stuff up. This is an apostle who had to learn how to love. This is an apostle who was noted as a, the son of thunder. This is an apostle who wanted to rain fire from heaven upon the Samaritans that Jesus was saying, that's not what I came here for. And this is the same apostle that it's taught us that we need to be able to love one another and serve one another. This is the way we should go. And, and this is not just limited to our children. Remember last month when I was talking about uh, mothers and I used an example of, of a family, a couple, that do not have biolo biological children, but they've taken in children into the home? Well, same thing, right, with fathers? You don't have to be a biological father or even an adoptive father to take on the life of some young person. My mom saw the effect of me not having a father at home. And while there was no replacement as a father, she had a, an older brother concept. It's called the big brothers. They had big brothers and big sisters. That's the closest thing that I had for a few years as a father-like figure. 
And he probably was about old enough where he might have been close enough to be like a father to me. But you see, there are men in this world that look at a passage like Psalm chapter 68 and become a father to the fatherless. That I see children that don't have their own dads. And there's a beautiful, beautiful video, <laughs> could have put up here, of a man. He's a math teacher, never been married before. And the students only know him as this hard-nosed math teacher. What they did not know until they had their own school project that took them outside of the walls of the school building was that this teacher would go after school at various times during the week to a hospital at a certain point in the hospital where there are newborn babies that don't have the parents. The parents are not in the, involved in these babies' lives. And he became as a father to these newborn babies, carrying them, feeding them, rocking them. There are men that are out there that personify what we see in Psalm 68, verse 5. And I have much more to say about that in just a little bit. But the concept of taking children and working with them and molding their lives, training, training them up in the way they should go, and Listen, it doesn't matter if you're a rocket scientist. It doesn't matter if you have the highest and all the greatest degrees in the world. If you're not trained up in the way of the Lord, you've got nothing. You have something that is fleeting at best and will be taken away at your last breath. But you train up your children to love God and to love one another and to serve others and you're seeing the gospel in action in the life of a child. That's the role of a father. And so that's what we have, brethren. It's not simply sitting down and having this Bible study and then that be, okay, I did my thing. I'm a good dad. It's genuinely training them up to love our God and to serve our God and to stand fast for our God who gave us his, his son. And that's what Paul did. He was not a, the apostle, that is. He was not a biological father, and yet... 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 2 and, and Titus chapter 1 verse 4, he says to Timothy and to Titus respectively, he says, my true son in the faith. Man, I want you to look around, not just here in this building, but in your neighborhoods where you live and note the children who are growing up without a father. And if you have the time and the means, and the means may be out of your control too. Maybe it's, you know, parents allowing it to happen. You can take someone under your wing the way Timothy was taken under the wing of the Apostle Paul and work with them. It doesn't have to be in the preacher training setup like what we think about in modern situation uh, where you take a young man under your wing. But simply having some young man that does not have a father in their life. And you become a father figure. And you're there for them. These are so important when we talk about what we do. Or protecting and defending our children. Just as we're talked about in Deuteronomy 14, in Leviticus, in James chapter 1. In many passages that you can read in the Old Testament and New Testament. The whole concept of the fatherless and the widow is people who cannot defend themselves. 
And that is why James says, pure and undefiled religion is this. Right? It's to care for the orphan and the widow, he says. And to keep oneself pure and unspotted from the world. Pure and undefiled religion is caring for the people who cannot care for themselves. That's a concept that you have to translate beyond just a biological relationship with your children. Here are children. I was looking at Stephanie. I leaned over to my bride. I said, she looks so beautiful. Two more months, I've been told. I'm sorry, I don't keep up with the delivery dates and all that, Stephanie. But <laughs> I'm looking at a future father and mother. And what an awesome responsibility that they have. And every one of us as young parents and parents who have gone through and, and have older children or parents that have gone through it and, and children have left the nest, it's an awesome responsibility, isn't it? Huge. When, are, when they're young, they have no one to protect them. It boggles my mind that a mother or a father can look at this helpless baby who's crying because he or she is hungry or thirsty or needs a diaper change or is uncomfortable, is hurting in some way. And a parent is so out of tune and wondering why they're so upset. It boggles my mind. We don't have to be rocket scientists. We may not know exactly what's going on, but if you feed them, they don't want to eat. Okay, it's not their, they're not hungry. Maybe I need to go change their diaper. I don't want to do it, but maybe I have to do it. You know, whatever the situation is, but you find. And then what happens when the need is met? They're content. Or you go and look for the answer. And some of them are heinous what they do to their children. How they speak to their children. But a true man, if you will, not only protects, but he defends. Not only just provides the food, but stands up for them when no one else will stand up for them. What a beautiful picture that is that represents a protector. In fact, that's the idea of um, the word used in Psalm 68 in verse 5. When you read the text here, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Some of the translations may be a judge, but really it's a protector, a defender. And that's what he does for those who are defenseless. And we have a lot of children, 20 million, that are fatherless. They don't have much in the way of advocacy. We've got organizations and there are some halfway houses. And there are some other areas uh, through foster care and what have you. But it's not a perfect system. But we have godly men. Men of God. Children of God. Christians. Who should know as we grow in the Lord how to be a man of God. And we can fill the gap if you will. Maybe not all of it. Maybe just a fraction of it. But we can. But this is what the role of a man is in Jesus Christ and that's what we see here and so it's not just our children but but all the children you know for for all of what we hear and what, what is known as liberal media there is an element of truth in the phrase that maybe you don't like hearing <laughs> that it takes a village <laughs> 
But there is a collective effort in the body of Christ. And when someone is not able to, to meet the need, another can step in and help. And something can be said for that. And that's what we see here. And that's what we see, what I see in the Apostle Paul when, when you have someone like, like Timothy, whose father is clearly not in the picture of his life. His mother and grandmother are, and for that we give thanks to God. But the Apostle Paul steps in. That's the way we can be with, with our children, particularly even in the body of Christ. But even from a basic need standpoint, we provide for our children. And we're told in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8 that if a man does not provide for his own family, he is worse than an infidel. He is not regarded as being faithful in Jesus Christ. And think about this. This is the most basic needs that we would have is to take care of our family. And the role of a man, at least particularly in the first century when he was the most part, the primary, if not the sole breadwinner of, of the household in providing food and shelter. But is that it? Is that all there is to life? Is food and shelter? Or do you provide a safe haven in your home? Remember last, I think it was last week or the week before, I, I was mentioning in the sermon, and I forget which it was, but I was mentioning how um, pornography is so rampant in our country, and I was mentioning how it's in the Lord's church. And I was talking about that from a standpoint of, of in my head, I didn't give the statistic that over 60% of those in um, in a survey admitted to such pornography, which means that if that's the case, almost two out of three are looking at pornography. And if we're to correlate that in this congregation, that means it's happening. Maybe not at that, at that level, but it's happening. And so what we want is to provide this kind of environment where we're with our children and, and caring for them, not just putting food on the table, not just paying the bill, but providing an environment that's loving environment so that they can be properly trained up in the way they should go, so they can feel safe. And defended for, protected by true men. But again, not just ours, but all. So I share these things with you because it's very important that real men care for those entrusted to their care. We have men who are shepherds in this congregation. Their role is, is to shepherd the entire flock. That when one goes astray, they're looking for the one. That's the concept of manhood. That's what our God does. We, we read the parables. We know the truth. That's our responsibility. And that's what all men of God do is they provide. They protect. They train up. And not just, again, biological fathers or adoptive fathers, but all men. That we look out for the young. And not just the young from a standpoint of um, age, but the helpless, the fatherless. And so today, while the nation celebrates Father's Day, I want us to uphold what a true father looks like. He looks like God. He acts like God. May not be perfect like God, 
but he strives to live the way God lives and emulates his life the way God does. And he does provide for and protect those who cannot protect themselves, who cannot provide for themselves. That's what we have and should have in the Lord's church. And I pray that you men take courage and fulfill what we see in Scripture as the role of a true man. And I believe we can see that epidemic change a little bit in our neck of the woods, if you will, because of the work that we do in service to our Lord. Now, if you're here, I want you to know one thing. If you have not put on Jesus Christ, you're not a child of God. You're his enemy. But he loves you. An enemy who loves you and wants to become Abba, Father. He wants you to become his child that is adopted into the family of God. Imagine that. And when you belong to him, all that we spoke of here, he defends for you. He fights for you. He fights Satan for you because he is a jealous God and is jealous that anyone would take you away from him. That's a real father. That's an advocate that you have for your life. When you come under his care, it's because you're under his control, under his authority, and under his love. If you're willing to die this morning, die to your sins, so that you can become a child of God, then you have every blessing that is found in Jesus Christ. And how beautiful those blessings are. And it doesn't matter if you have parents, whether they're divorced or you never, ever saw your father. You have the father that counts in real life, in eternal life. Now, the rest of the story, for, for those of you, because some of you know my dad now, right? Because he's been here. He's worshipped here. You've actually got to he actually speak before all of you at one after one of the services. I love my dad with all my heart. And I've had this talk with him the one I'm having with you right now. And he wishes he could take things back and do things differently, but it is what it is, and God has taught me to forgive. But for you dads, think about what you're doing and how you are such a vital, vital part of your children just by your presence, letting alone stepping up to the plate and being the true man of God he wants you to be. So if you want to be a child in this kingdom, The invitation is yours to come to him or to return to him as the prodigal son did, knowing that our loving father always wants you back, always wants to have you in his fellowship. Why not do that right now as together we stand and sing?